You're listening to the Live Out Loud podcast with River Wynn and Michelle Flamer. Hola, River! Hey, hey! Oh my god, number 20! Can you believe it's 20 already? No, I actually can't. Didn't we just start this? It, it feels like it, but it was 20 weeks ago, pretty much. That's wild. I, wait, that's a long time. That's a that's almost five months. Yeah, we started in July. That's crazy. Okay, that's awesome. Anyways, I'm super stoked. 2020, 20, 20, 20. It's so exciting. It's really I love cool. it. Ah, river michelle <laughs> um so we i think you asked um our squad on yeah. instagram some like a like hey if anyone has questions and it seemed like we got a couple cool ones we did we did so we're gonna we have two that we're gonna do today yeah one's kind of deep uh-huh. I'm excited about it. And one's kind of lighthearted. So maybe we should start off with a lighthearted one. Yeah, let's do lighthearted first. Okay. So should we say who asked it or not? Leave it anonymous. Let's, let's leave, leave it anonymous. It, let's leave it anonymous. They'll know when they hear. Yeah. Okay. So this person said, How does the rain make you feel? Oh, that's really sweet. Um yeah. well, funny enough, that's like kind of perfect timing because we've had around three days of rain here and mm, raining here today too and i could smell the rain so how does it make me feel fucking happy does it make you nostalgic for portland and the pacific northwest it, it does actually i i took my vespa in the rain i was like what does mm. it feel like and my glasses got all you know uh dotted up with water but I was sitting there talking after I got some, I went to a coffee house and just got, you know, like a latte or whatever. And I was sitting outside with my, we were under, you know, cover of course. And this couple, um, we were talking about the rain in Arizona. And I said that, you know, I missed Portland a little bit. So it was, I, I did talk about Portland today for sure. The one time I've spent time in Phoenix was during spring break in college and it rained so hard while we were there it was just like so intense so much water and we ran around outside playing in it and it was so much fun mm -hmm. yeah because the because the temperature is nice it's not like yeah it's degrees or anything it's it's pretty it's pretty mild but yeah it was just it's beautiful like I have the windows open and it's just, it's really nice. And and God, the poor desert really needed a good sprinkling. Mm -hmm. I personally love the rain. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who live in the Pacific Northwest get so frustrated by it, the constant drizzle sometimes. But I love it. It's just so poetic. Mm. And it's my favorite time to write poetry. Mm -hmm. when it's raining and the windows are open and there's a little breeze kind of blowing the curtain a little bit and I've got candles and I've got music and it's just I don't know there's just something about it I know or like I walking walking at night in the rain with a jacket on with a friend talking I don't know it's just a vibe it's a mood with a hot chai tea 
Yeah. No, that sounds good. It is a vibe. I actually wrote today. I actually did a live this morning. Did you see that thing at 5 a.m.? Mm -hmm. I, I know. I saw that. I was really, I think the rain, it, it just got me. But um, I've just been feeling like a lot. I've been having a lot of downloads and stuff. And I was literally just doing that random. I mean, I'm doing this, you know, car safety class. Mm -hmm. and, and I swear to I, he said the laws of the universe. And I went into like, what, why is he talking about the laws of, or the laws of the universe? Meaning, you know, when you're hydroplaning, speaking of rain, mm, you're yeah. hydroplaning and the laws of the universe is don't push on the brake too fast because yeah. then you'll spin. But I took it as a whole lesson in life. Uh. <laughs> Who knew you could get so deep during car safety lesson? Oh my God. Like uh, this is what I wrote. I, I wrote, I'll read just a few, a little bit of it, but it's like, if you are traveling too fast for the road conditions and suddenly swerve, you are all, you are at risk for a rollover accident crash equals to me within the life structure that mm. you are unconscious walking through life damn i know it was getting deep and if you weren't wearing a seatbelt, equals learning coping methods going to therapy and working on protecting yourself you could stay in a state of unhealed or ruminate all day and not see the solutions in front of you and you will continue if you don't have the seatbelt on you're in a craft you will continue to go forward through the freaking windshield and that just basically was like so without all these tools without the tools of the safety seatbelt you and to learn to slow down during that mm. hydroplaning um and truly assess the roadway equaling life i mean otherwise wow. you continue to veer off the road go off of your journey right yeah and off your path of life I'm giving you, I'm giving you poetry snaps right now. <laughs> oh God. Is that what you're doing? Yep. Like, what is she doing? I'm in my zone. We don't need snaps. It's all on video. I, I freaking nine minute, nine and a half minute live, 10 minute live this morning is in a reel. I love it. I love it so much. And you know, what I love about being someone who's a deep stinker is it doesn't take much to put you into that space where you just download and have big thoughts and you're just like you go from car safety to this is life <laughs> oh my god it's it. an it's an, an analogy of life like the way that he was it was you know very and the universe and when you go through it and he has you know a very actorish just like go to show that like spirituality is just kind of woven through everything that we do really yes which actually leads to our next question. Hit it, hit me. This is the deep one. <laughs> okay. I say, love listening to y'all. Would love to hear your take on raising kiddos to be in touch with their emotions and spirit, especially if your partner is not in favor of it. Minor little boys. Hmm. I think we can come at that a couple of different ways. Why don't I, um, 
I will let you lead this for, for the moment. Mm -hmm. I have some thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that that question got submitted because it's a topic I've been thinking a lot about lately as a mother mm-hmm. and as someone who's exploring dating and friendships and like relationships with men in my life from family to friends um, and just kind of like the social constructs around how boys especially are supposed to feel about emotions or express emotions or not express emotions or take up space in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and spiritually, I mean, I don't think boys are really encouraged to dive deep spiritually, maybe religiously, right. but not spiritually in the same way that, you know, we are so connected to, um, And so it's such an interesting topic, especially if you're trying to teach your children those things and your partner is not having it, not interested in it, not supporting it. I will say that's been a big piece for me and my spirituality with my kids is that I have explored my spirituality for myself for such a long time. And my kids see that and they participate in it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of that like leading by example mm-hmm. but I was always up against the other parent was raised Mormon mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of their family is still very Mormon and so even now um, like my kids come home all the time having gone to church with their grandparents or hearing their grandparents talk about god and sin and the bible and there's such a stark difference between what i believe and what their other part of the family believes and they're constantly having to navigate that Mm -hmm. of what they believe and what they don't believe um yeah it's such an interesting space to navigate as a parent well i'll ask i'll ask an easy question here that i'm sure our listeners will be thinking i feel like if you're having challenges around bringing spirituality in and one spouse is on a different page within religion, it shows a little bit of a deeper issue at play. And I think me being more conscious with, you know, the kind of relationship that I'm calling into my life, you know, is around that. I think they can both exist. I think it's a matter of you asking your spouse Hey, this is really important to me and 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 our kids seem to be enjoying it mm. and having like it, it it allows for just an open a more open conversation around first of all doing something that a lot of couples sadly if they're not good at communicating with each other it actually gives them this lovely opening where there really is like no one needs to be defensive, but just coming in with more like, uh, you know, one of those moments of like, this is a mystery conversation. Like we've never had this before. Can we both get curious around what the pros, the cons are um, so that we can genuinely um, kind of co- um, you know, co-create what our children are, are intaking, because at the end of the day, we don't want to leave it up to outside forces. We want them to know that 
first of all, if, I mean, think about the human design and how we're trying to, we're trying to parent our children in those moments. And I think around religion and spirituality, I think it's a really beautiful moment with these conscious kids to say, how do you feel when you come out of church or how do you feel when you hear these things? They have, they have a, a voice in, mm-hmm. in this and to just maybe open that conversation. But first, before opening that conversation and really allowing the kids to sort of feel it, feel it all out and see what, what they want to take from each thing, mm-hmm. each, you know, each piece of it, because both can cohabitate both can exist together and both can thrive. And, but I think the, the couple um, needs to just have a lovely sit down, like get a babysitter, go out to your favorite place to eat, like create some type of beautiful moment for each other to grow and expand in those Mm -hmm. moments. Because Mm -hmm. initially I was like, Ooh, you know, when I hear something like that, and, and in the past, the past me, you know, like nine layers ago, um, I would have, I would have been a little more negative about it rather than using it as this curiosity moment, if that makes sense to you. I know. Cause we're yeah, not, no, I'm that just, makes I'm so like, much sense. I think, I think the difficulty comes because in order to have curious conversations that are open yeah. like that, it takes two curious individuals mm-hmm. who are open to that and you and I being the people we are now I know that when we go into potential partnership with our next person these are the kind of conversations we're going to be having from the get-go totally what what is your spiritual beliefs like what is important to you especially when it comes to raising children but but if we but, but if we remember couples are always evolving and changing totally so coming to the table by saying Hey, I know how we talked about this stuff in the past, but for whatever reason, I'm like really been enjoying this piece of it. And I'd love to share why I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that takes that curiosity and the willingness. Well, one of them, obviously, if you, yeah. if whoever's sent the question in has that yeah. curiosity can also initiate in a yeah. kind, loving way that. Hey, I I know we never talk like this, but why can't we start something new? You don't know until you ask. Exactly. And even if they don't meet you in that space, then you're still getting an answer and a response. You are, and but you can also say, "Hey, um, hey sweetie, I would love to talk about this. What are your like how do you feel about it? Do you mm-hmm. need a couple of days? Do you need a little bit of space?" But knowing that and if you, whatever time frame you tell me, we're going to actually talk about it yeah. by then. Because yeah. sometimes I, I think a lot of times is what happens is when we come out with big moments in our life and our spouse isn't on the right or isn't on the page that we want yet, or it mm-hmm. hasn't, or isn't feeling open. A lot of times they just need a little time to catch up. Oh yeah, for sure. Some people are like, different. hey, and yeah. I've been like in my spiritual realm over here for six months just not really sharing with you. Cause I was kind of feeling mm-hmm. that for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes that, that communication. Absolutely. And then I think like in, in terms, I know for me with my kids, I've always just kind of taken 
I've always taken the approach that to me, it doesn't necessarily matter what my kids believe for themselves, as long as what they believe doesn't hurt other people. Love that. And so to me, it doesn't matter if they are religious, Mm -hmm. if they're spiritual, if they're Mm -hmm. Buddhist, I don't, I don't, if they're atheist, to me, that doesn't matter. What they believe doesn't matter as much as are they being kind? Right. Are they being inclusive? Mm -hmm. Are they treating other people really well? Mm -hmm. Does what they believe shut out an entire section of other human beings? (laughs) Um, That is what matters to me. Am Am I raising good citizens of the world? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, we told Caden early on, like, I can take you to temple. Mom can take you to church. Um, you know, and grandma can take you to the Mormon, you know, Latter-day Saints. Like you Mm -hmm. can, we're happy to like, let you listen in on anything and, Mm -hmm. and take away what you want because, um, I definitely follow more into the, you know, obviously Jew and Buddhism and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I just want her, but I mean, this was the first summer that she went to a way camp and it was a Jewish camp, kind of like the way I went to Jewish camp and she loved it. She enjoyed Shabbos and, you know, all the different foods that they eat and, you know, the Mm -hmm. prayers and stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't foreign to her, but it was like really nice for her to share a little bit of my background growing, you know, my, my heritage and, you know, that kind of thing. So that was really fun. I actually really like that my kids, as as frustrating as it is sometimes to come up against some of the religious beliefs that they are bringing home with them or, or repeating, yeah. um, because they're kind of hurtful things um, towards other people, other communities. Isn't um, it funny how Christians talk about Christ-like and being bullies is not very Christ-like. It's not. And um, <laughs> yeah, and these are conversations I have to have a lot with my kids about things like being gay and things oh. like that, where it's, you know, oh, I was going there. They're next. hearing a lot about how being gay is sinful um, mm. and having to navigate that with them. And my kids adore my kids. They don't believe that in any way, shape or form because they are very smart, intellectual little humans and they have grown up. They've grown up um, going to our Buddhist meetings with me and they've grown up being exposed to a lot of different beliefs. And that was kind of my goal was to to expose them to more because the more you learn about other people's walks of life, mm-hmm. the bigger a picture you have of mm-hmm. what life is and people's experiences. Mm-hmm. The more you know, like knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. The more you know the better you can form an opinion. Yeah. And if you grow up in a very like, I'll, I'll say like for me, where some of my siblings grew up in the cults that we grew up in, where they didn't have any experiences before that. And they were exposed to other ways of life like I had been, because mm-hmm. I was seven when we joined. Um, so their their scope was very narrow. And when you grow up like that, not being exposed to anything else, you have no frame of reference for the larger picture of life and other people's experiences. So whether it's spirituality or other topics, exposing your kids to more helps them grow. 
I agree. I mean, the cool thing is there's all of these wonderful books now that literally can teach your children at every age. So it's, you know, age appropriate learnings of different religions, even. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole host. The other part of it is if you're in a community, I mean, you're in a small town, it's probably would be easy to create in a sense of let's get people from all over the world who believe different things, get them in a community center and have each parent, you know, teach, or even if it's, it's, it's a sweet older dude from, and he happens to be from Zimbabwe or whatever, like, and teach the kids a little bit about, you know, each, each country and some of those beliefs. I think that would be such a beautiful, like around the holidays, I I feel like that would be a really beautiful thing. Have you heard of the human library? No. Have you seen that before? I cannot for the life of me remember just as you were speaking, it kind of made me remember this. I cannot have to research it. Maybe we can link in the show notes, but there's a, there's a, a library or a college somewhere. I think it's on the East coast, but I'm not totally certain where they have what's called the human library and you can like borrow a human, check out a human like in the library for like 20 to 30 minutes and they just tell you their life story. Oh, whoa. I think I'd really enjoy that too much. I'd have to, I have to research this a little bit more. I just saw it was something I saw online and I was, I don't know if it's like a real thing or like a proposed thing, but the concept was so cool where it was like, you have to listen to another human being from a totally different background, totally different country, different place in life, and just hear their story. Mm. Wouldn't that be so powerful? Uh, Because it gives you context. And the more we understand context about other people's lives and their histories, the more we know. Well, exactly. And with everything going on, like we have been continuing to talk about Israel, Palestine, um, the history of that. Can you mm-hmm. imagine having going to the human library and finding a Palestine, Palestinian and, a, and an Israeli and to tell their tell our kids like and to educate them on that so that they can have, I think having that deeper knowledge allows you to, allows you some perspective in some ways. It's still horribly sad because human life is at risk there. And yeah, um, so I'm not saying to make light of it, but I'm saying having a real human to talk to from that kind of might be good for some of the kids who feel are, empath- are empathetic, um, empathic, you know, and are really feeling the shifts that are going yeah. on. It's, I will say, I know that one thing I learned fairly early as a child, just from observing other humans in life is that it's harder to be a bully when you're able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. When you make someone across from you human. Yeah. Uh When you, when you start to see someone else's human and see their emotions and their feelings and their story, so incredibly hard to treat people unkindly. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's really true. That's why it's like shooting someone in the back is cowardice considered in a sense, because is really hard. Like, or hunters have said, sometimes the animal looks right at them and they literally let them go because mm-hmm. they're connecting with their soul at that moment. So if yeah. someone's eyes come to you, 
it can be really, that's why a lot of cops will have PTSD because mm-hmm. the perp or whoever's, you know, causing the issue um, or the, you know, it could be mentally disabled, but whoever that is, when they look in their eyes and they have to shoot them, it's really, it's, it's traumatizing. It is. It is. And kind of going back to like part of that question about, you know, teaching kids about emotions mm-hmm. you know that's such a hard one because especially for little boys as she was asking because we live in a society where we don't really teach kids especially boys to, to be soft especially boys to be emotional and, and to be okay with their emotions you know yeah. um but kids as a whole they they hear all the time you know toughen up um you know you're whining and you know all these little phrases that we have for kids that just completely boys, boys, don't boys, boys, boys don't cry boys don't cry um and it's just so sad because our emotions are our biggest signs about what's going on internally yeah and as a parent if you're able to recognize your kids emotions as a sign of something that they're needing to express internally, but they don't have words for their big feelings. They are a need. Something's causing them to feel in a certain way. We're really doing our kids a disservice if we don't allow them to feel what they're feeling and express it and talk about it. That's not to say that our kids need to be sitting around throwing temper tantrums, but when a kid's angry, what's causing the anger? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. I know. What if we talk to our little boys like we do our little girls and vice versa? Yeah. yeah. I know when my son, when my son is, is angry, it's because he's frustrated about something mm-hmm. because he's such a sweet, gentle soul that when he gets angry to me, that says there's something really going on internally for him. Either mm-hmm. he, either he's frustrated so something's not going the way he wants it to. So there's an expectation that's not being met. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Or he's feeling sad. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes little boys have a hard time expressing that sadness because it's so ingrained socially from such a young age mm-hmm. <laughs> to not express your sadness as a boy, as a male, mm-hmm. that it comes out as anger. You know, and thinking about that um, piece of from we can do hard things. And it was like one of like, I think it was like their number five episode. Mm. And Glennon was speaking to, I forget what it was like one of their first or second guests, but um, may have been Martha Beck, but they were talking about how when a child and this, cause I think it's important to, you can parent the same way, whether we have emotional daughters, which is mm-hmm. what she was referring to at the time. But if you have boys, it shouldn't even matter. I, you know, I just was, I just, I heard the information for my kids. So mm-hmm. my kids are girls. So I just, in my mind, you know, Yeah. and so, but when they are acting out, we as parents want to fix it so badly, first mm-hmm. of all, if they're acting out in front of people, then we're like wanting to fix it fast because we're embarrassed that they're behaving this way. And then it we dysregulates open- us. It dysregulates us. Right. And in the moment, 
it really isn't about, it's not about us at all. It's about whatever underlying, like you just said, um, regarding your little sweet boy. And what, what the therapist said was when your child is in an emotional state, what you want to do is just say, Oh, I like the scenario real quick, like an easy scenario, like someone bullied maybe just a little bit, like just was mean on the playground. Right. And so now your kid has come home, male or female, boy or girl, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you just empathize with them and you just hear them and you go, God, I bet that was really hurtful. Mm -hmm. And then I go, yeah, you know, they'll kind of like, yeah, I bet you know, were you, did you get hurt? Like, did they push you and put a hand on you? No, you know, and they're still kind of upset or crying, but then you can say, do you want me to hold you? Do you Mm -hmm. want me to just listen to you or do you need time alone? But you're never once discounting their feelings. Yeah. You're just, you're just, you're allowing them to sit and ask for, start to ask for what they need in a really, in a moment. And depending upon age, obviously that is a, that's a beautiful moment as well that you can have with your child is just because you're not saying, you know, you like, do you want me to fix it? Do you want me to hold you? Or do you want me to let you go? Like, let you be in your, in whatever you're teaching them, you're teaching them to speak up for how they want to regulate themselves. Right. And to identify what they want in the moment. Cause maybe another time they'll say, will you hold me? You know what I mean? It's like, it might be, it might might rotate. You never know. So you have to ask each thing every time. And so I do that with, I, I did that with Caden and it, I, I swear to God in a couple of weeks, she literally would just say, I'm really upset, blah, blah, blah. I need this. I need that. And she would just rattle it off. I didn't have yep. to do the spiel anymore. And, and I, the same thing with my kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she was eight, you know, 10 at the time that I learned, you know, that I learned that. Yeah. So I'll never forget. I saw, um, there was a video that went around a couple of years ago. Um, the actor, Justin Baldoni, you know who I'm talking about? He has a podcast as well. I can't remember what it's called. Um, okay. But He's an amazing actor. Um, and it was this video of him and his dad at a store and his, I think she was like two or three at the time, his daughter, his toddler was laying on the ground, throwing a fit, just having big emotions I and feelings. And he and his dad are both just standing there calmly and patiently. They're not criticizing her. They're not talking down to her. They're just there with like holding space for her yeah. and people are around or watching and, and I know as a parent, I started to feel that like anxiety of like, oh, oh my God. God, how embarrassing that your kid is throwing a fit. And they were just so calm and patient. And then when he was asked about it, he talked about how like one of the, the best things that you can do for your kids is to hold space for their emotions and stay I regulated as a parent. I love and that. And that hit so home for me because it's so easy, especially like when you're a mom who's handling like the bulk of the, all the, of the parenting or all the things mm-hmm. it's so easy to get dysregu- dysregulated ourselves mm-hmm. especially in a social setting where our kids aren't behaving according to source social norms and behaving well and that whole premise of kids are to be seen and not heard and all of that mm-hmm. to see these two grown adult men self-regulating 
Yeah. And leading by example mm-hmm. was just so beautiful. And it hit home for me. And that made a big impact for me and how I approached my kids having their big feelings and emotions, especially with my son, where sometimes the very act of me staying grounded and calm is what helps him to find his calm and his center. Because if Mm -hmm. I'm not overreacting and I'm not dysregulating, it shows him it's okay to feel, but come back to self. Yeah. They both, they, they, all these techniques get you to the same place, right? Yeah. So it just depends on maybe age of the child, how you want to handle that. And also looking at yourself as a parent, am I going to remember to be able to communicate this or, oh, wow, I would, I love, I can't wait to do that because I will say how that's translated is that she tells me all the things now. I mean, I had to, I had to literally, you know, all the memes where the skeleton and they're like, this is me after my child's telling a story, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and just the parent is like a skeleton at that moment. So I had to, I had to have those, I had to hold space for the moments of Pokemon and Mm. all the Pokemon and all the Minecraft and the conversations, you know, surrounding all these completely boring, utterly painful conversations. (laughs) I mean that with respect, Kay, if you ever listen to this again. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But after listening to someone talk about their Minecraft building for 20 minutes and showing it to you in full detail, let's, you're kind of like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I love how, but how it, but, we did that, but also can we stop? <laughs> right. But then how that translates is now she tells me the juice, you know what I mean? Everything. Yeah. She, I'll she breaks yeah. tea with me, you know, or whatever, however that's called. She tells me the tea, spills ah. the tea. Yeah, I'll share. I'll share. So my eight-year-old the other day got in the car and (laughs) I could immediately tell right off the bat that she had just had a rough day and I could just tell that she was feeling all the feels. And I said, hey, do you want to talk about what's going on or do you want some time to process? And she was like, immediately just spilled and was like, my two two of my best friends at school, we're not friends anymore because this thing happened on the playground and I told them that I don't want to be their friend anymore and now I feel really bad about it but I'm also not going to be their friend and I was like that's a lot that's a lot that's probably a lot going on inside of you thanks for sharing that do you want some like do you want a snack and some time to process because I have a feeling that after you've thought about it you might feel differently but how do you feel? And she was like, yeah, I just need to spend some time thinking about it. And so we got home, she got a snack, went to her room with her tablet. An hour later, she came out and she was like, yeah, I'm, I thought about it. And you're right. These are my best friends and I don't want to lose them as friends. So can I run down to my friend's house? Cause one of them lives like two houses down from us. Can I go see if she wants to play and I can talk to her? And I was like, yeah, go, go do it. And so the little girl came over and they totally made up. And then the next day they both talked to the other girl at the playground Mm -hmm. and they worked it out themselves and then came home and told me and they were like, we're all good now. That is so. (laughs) And it was so hard because as a mom, it's like your instinct is to start like protecting and being like, well, what happened? Like, how can I fix it? And then like call the other moms and like get involved. But our girls figured it out themselves. Um, do you feel like um, Ivy kind of handled it? Like you handle that kind of stuff? 
Yeah. Totally. Yeah, because I, I didn't make her feel bad about, because uh, she was the one who yelled at them and said, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And then you didn't shame her. You didn't, didn't shame her for it. I was like, you know, that's a big feeling. And and in the moment you were probably feeling that way. But after you think about it for a while, you might feel like you still want to be friends with them because I know that you appreciate your friendship with okay. them. Okay. Now let's pause that. How would your parents have reacted to that? If you had come home and said <laughs> those same things? Let me tell you. Yeah. I actually have a great example of this. Yes. There was a girl that I grew up with in the cult that I, I grew up in. Um, her mom and my mom were best friends. Okay. Any time that she and I had a disagreement, our moms would end up fighting. And then their mom, our moms would like pit us against each other too. So like if her mom was upset about the way she was behaving, she would say things like, well, River does it like this. River does this. River does that. And so like she would like, we would get pitted against each other. So I grew up experiencing that girls were backstabbing bitches. (laughs) And that you weren't safe with other women because they, they, they talked badly about you behind your back and they fought you and it was petty and it was catty and it was just that's what I grew up with. We weren't sitting down and talking about our feelings and apologizing to each other. This is what I was witnessing in the adult women around me. And so anytime that there was a problem for me, there was a problem for the adults and the adults were acting dysregulated. And so my daughter's experience is very different than my experience. Mm -hmm. And I had to unlearn that when I became a young adult and I had a, for the longest time, I had a hard time trusting other women and mm-hmm. forming good relationships with other women because of that. Mm. And now I look at my daughter and she is surrounded, like she, her friends are so amazing and their moms are amazing. Oh, and I, I love, love their that. mom. I and love I love that my daughter has these girls and their moms in her life because they're a wonderful group of people. Mm-hmm. See, my mom probably would have been like, blaming me for telling mm-hmm. them that you know like I don't like that Scott and Jeff were ass you know buttheads or whatever and mm-hmm. you know because I had male I mean most of the boys were like my best friends but I had Cherry and Marcy and a bunch of nice people but yeah the boys yeah my mom or my dad would have just been like okay quit your whining about it just apologize mm-hmm. tomorrow or something like that quit my whining. Like, I just can't quit even imagine whining. talking to my child like that. I mean, what a different world. <laughs> I will say I, the other day, my son was kind of feeling sick and he was sick this week and he was exceptionally whiny and fussy. <laughs> and there was a moment where I was like, please stop whining. Like your whining is really hard for me right now mm-hmm. but I had to take a step back and be like his little body does not feel good right now he just wants mama That's his it. agenda his agenda is he wants comfort he, he wants comfort. mama safety. he wants my, my presence he wants me one-on-one he wants safety he wants to feel okay yeah whereas my agenda was like get the sick kid resting and then do my to-do my to-do list hopefully exactly. getting my things done and so our agendas were colliding and it was causing me to become dysregulated. So I had to step back and take a deep breath and be like, okay, yes, this list is important to me, 
but in the long term, his memory of being sick as a kid and how I interact with him matters far more. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take a pause. I'm going to go snuggle him for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I snuggled him for 20 minutes and we talked and had a great time. And he felt so much better just from snuggling that mm-hmm. after that he was regulated. And he was okay, even though he wasn't feeling good. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's, that's really sweet. I know. I, I love those little snuggles. You know, me too. <laughs> snuggles are so sweet. Um <laughs> So today, uh, Christy and I did a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. We went to see Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, um, live. And it was uh, a little earth shattering. I'm definitely really processing it. But I, uh, I raised my hand and I got to go on stage. Look I at you. Go on stage. Oh my gosh. How was that experience for you? Ooh, I was, my, my heart was racing. I was, um, I was nervous. Um, mm. Chrissy said I was very well composed, but I definitely had like the, while well, I was thinking, you know, to be there and telling, you know, basically them, the, the audience that it was my first time. And they started clapping for me because I was a first timer and, you know, got up on stage and taught and, you know, just ask, ask my questions and stuff, but it was um, really cool. And I was really present and I know I'm going to sleep really good tonight, or mm-hmm. I am going to have a lot of crazy dreams or, um, mm-hmm. downloads that are going to keep me up a little bit tonight. There's, there's still like a buzzing in my, through my skin, you know? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it was, and it's just so cool because, you know, one point Abraham says, you are literally talking to an alien right now, <laughs> you know? So, so really fast for people who are listening, who may not know who Abraham Hicks is, give us like, give a little rundown on, on who he is, like what he does. Yeah, Abraham. Um, well, it's Esther Hicks who um, you can find her for through Gaia and all sorts of like really spiritual, um, you know, planes. But basically, she's an inspirational speaker, um, and she channels Abraham. And, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, that's so it's and it's all about today's workshop, um, which is typically the theme is about the law of attraction. And so really about manifesting and, you know, how, how we as earthlings, basically humans, um, make things really hard on ourselves. Oh my gosh. When it comes to manifesting, when it comes to manifesting and, and being overtly impatient Mm. or, you know, for, to see the fruits of, of that labor. And one of the things was really cool that I really liked and I'll definitely share right now because I liked when, when Abraham um, was asking or when, as he was, as he was talking, he said, sometimes you're in the vortex of, of where everything is aligned and then you're, and then the other parts of you are over on, you know, the other side of your, of you, and you're both moving in different directions and different you know, and, and when you're asking for things that you want, 
and you're not getting it, or you're in a situation where you're not feeling aligned because Mm -hmm. when things happen and feel easy, you have to take a big note at that moment when that, when your body gets really easy, because it's, that's where your, everything's aligned, your human questions, your, your, your spiritual vortex of where you've been the manifesting vortex. And when they all come together and you know how sometimes you just say, oh, I'm going to move to that house and just everything falls in place. That's that feeling where everything falls in place. And so the, one of the quotes that I wrote down was what is my inner being feeling? Because, you know, here on earth, which we have chosen to be here. Mm-hmm. We may not remember the conversation, but we have chose chosen to be here. It's really about like being aligned. And I like the idea because a lot of times when I don't have an answer to what I'm manifesting or I'm baby stepping it. And the minute you say, but the minute you say should, the minute you, you know, it's like, it all just sort of like, now you have to start over in a sense, but when you are not feeling aligned, just kind of take it back and go, well, what is my inner being feeling? You know, and it's just more like, how do I feel in my body? So around embodiment in that sense, but it was just, um, it was just sort of eye-opening to think about the idea that Abraham and Abraham was just kind of showing us, like, you just point to that. Like, and, and one of the things that Jerry uh, Hicks said, um, because he shared, uh, Abraham shared this story with Esther and Jerry, they're married, they're married for a year. I mean, just beautiful soulmates in life. And let's just say we're out shopping, right? So Jerry Mm -hmm. would go into the store and a salesperson would come up and say, hi, what would you like? What would, what do you want? And he said, well, that's why we're here to see what we want. Mm. And it was so freaking cool. And it's so true because you might walk through a store and see nothing that you want. And so you don't pick it up or you don't buy it. But it's just, it's just, again, just bringing it back to center. Like we were talking about on our self-love, you know, Mm -hmm. conversations. And, and then the other thing that, um, sort of, um, was stated that I wrote down, which was the quote, people are walking around just being hurt. Yeah. And we have the choice to make it a good day. And it's funny because my dad used to say this to me, instead of have a good day, he would tell me to make it a, make it a good day. Mm -hmm, Cause it's all about attitude and perceptions. Right. Right. And I just always love that. And so if he didn't, maybe I wouldn't have this, you know, it's not toxic positivity by any means. It's literally just waking up with optimism for the day, being curious about what the day brings. And again, pull that back into the law of attraction, the secret, because that's where Esther Hicks really like made herself well-known. So if you've ever seen that movie, I can link it in the bio, but um, Mm -hmm. in our, in in the show notes, um, as I will, the human library and stuff, but and I'll, I'll even link Esther Hicks. So if people want to yeah. check out, cause some of um, her books are, I mean, her books are all awesome and she does a lot of um, YouTube video. I mean, there's a lot of information 
And um, when you hear the channeled voice of Abraham, most people recognize at that point, because I've asked people and then I send them that they go, oh, oh, that voice, because they've all seen, heard and all the lost traction videos that are out there just helping people go, I feel at ease. Why wouldn't I be happy? Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm happy. I'm already happy. I'm in Mm -hmm. the present. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong here. There's nothing hard. It's all easy. You know, it's like. I love that. And going back to the first quote you shared, or actually the story about when he goes to the store and says, you know, we're here to figure out what we want. That's right. What is that? That's something that I've been thinking about a lot, because as you know, and I haven't really talked about a whole lot yet, is that I am on the verge. I'm starting. I am taking a step away from my business for six months and giving myself breathing space to just create an income I'm doing. I'm working as a nanny and allowing myself to work as a nanny for six months and just create a stable income and be present for my kids and take a breather from my Uh business. It's still expanding. It's still an expander for you because it's a whole new way to do life for yourself. It's I mean, you've been hustling for a long time. A long time. I've been working since I was 15, 14, 15 years old. And, um, but furthermore, I've been working as a creative for 10 years and trying to, or not trying to, but doing the entrepreneur life of monetizing everything that I'm good at. And where that's led me to, especially in the state of our economy right now, where there's a lot of uncertainty, um, it's it's a it's a deep hustling that is exhausting mm. to create and put things out there and not necessarily know that you're going to have a return on it. Well, you're, so you're, you're taking two hits. You're taking two hits. You're you're potentially taking a financial hit, and your potential, and then you're also taking a, a hit to your creative soul mm-hmm. because when you're a creative, you pour everything into what you're creating. And when it's, when it's not received the way that you envisioned it would be, that is a hit to your creative soul. I think you can just call it an entrepreneurial sabbatical. Totally. Because that's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Cause it's just, a, it's just a sabbatical. It's just, it's yeah, not, it's a, it's not a no it's a step way to give myself space to breathe so that I can get back to creating in a way that fills my cup for myself. Yeah. For pleasure. And not because I have to make an income on it. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, wait, that's, that's a different I mean, from, from like a law of attraction place. That is a very different space from trying to hustle, to make ends meet, to just, you're literally trusting the universe right now. I'm free falling. I'm free falling. Yeah. And when you were talking, sharing that story about how he was like, you know, at the store, like we're here to figure out what we want. And then saying like the shoulds, the way we put all these shoulds on ourselves. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time, Mm. but yet I haven't allowed myself to make that choice and do that because I was afraid of disappointing people. I was afraid of looking stupid and looking like a failure. And I came to this point of realizing all of that stuff I was feeling was just a feeling. 
and it's not the truth. Right. Like fear. Like you, you invite, you just now invited them into dinner. They finally accepted their dinner invitation Mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck off. (laughs) Let's channel, let's channel Luke right now. Like I'm making things harder for myself by allowing myself to be burnt out and continuing to push and hustle and force it then I don't feel like I'm creating in a genuine way. And the moment I decided to take a breath and say, it's time to step away, it just has felt easy. Mm. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Less and it is feels good. more. Less is more when, within your spirit. Doing yeah. less and you'll gain more. Um, yeah. I literally am so excited. And, and just so if everyone, if anyone is thinking this, River's not going anywhere. She's staying with, she, this is still, <laughs> this is joy for her. Yes. I will so, not yeah. be leaving the podcast. I'm speaking to my photography business where um, I've been doing it for 10 years yeah. and I love working with my clients, but being self-employed is a hard, difficult thing right now. Yeah. And it's doable, but I'm tired of feeling like I'm forcing it. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so excited for you to be able to share this side of the journey because I can't even imagine just how you're going to feel and, and just the, the aha moments. And I mean, there's so much cool shit you're going to be learning about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it comes down to that intentionality of like really getting to the heart of what is it that you want? And I had to sit down and say to myself, okay, what is it that I want? Okay. I want a stable income Mm -hmm. as a single mother. Okay. Mm -hmm. Two, I want to be fully present and available for my children because I'm the weekday parent Mm -hmm. and they're on a school schedule and they're still young. Totally. As I started looking around. So what is the, what is the kind of work that will allow me to do this thing I want to do? Love it. And so I had to start exploring and say, does my life currently let me do what it is I'm I'm wanting to be? So like being intentional and maybe sometimes making those choices that seem so difficult, like letting go of a business for a while in order to live the life that you truly want to live. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you look you look more peaceful already. I feel more peaceful already because I'm trusting. You are trusting all of it. Yeah. But there's a knowing in that, you know, there's a knowing behind it. Like, cause you know what you're capable of. You've just yeah. been saddled with, you know, constantly trying to recreate. And I mean, that's just so exhausting. So I just can't imagine how, uh, how this is all going to play out. It's going to play out more amazing than you ever thought, but also there's so many cool freaking things that are coming. I can just feel that like, I, and I don't know what it is, I feel it, but I feel it. I have a feeling that six months from now, yeah, very as good. I reach the quote unquote end of my entrepreneurial sabbatical, sabbatical. Mm-hmm. you like that? I have a suspicion that my life is going to look very different. Yes, I agree. It's, it's not a lot of time, but it's a substantial amount to do what you need to do during that time. 
A lot can change in six months. A lot can change in one month. I mean, yeah. all we need it. All we need is a five minute pivot. <laughs> pivot. <laughs> pivot. And just so you guys know, like River and I have had such a busy week that this is like <laughs> the second little chat we've had. So I think we're both really happy to just talk to each other. Sometimes yeah, I forget. I'm like, oh wait, we're recording. Time. I haven't talked to Michelle this week very much. What on earth? That's so I weird. <laughs> I was just super busy. My friend Hannah came into town. And so I was able to pick her up from the airport. And yeah, so it's fun. And then, um, yeah, it's just been busy at work and stuff. But number 20. Whoop, whoop. Big two zero. I love it. Oh, 20 more, babe. I love it. Cheers. Can't wait till 200. <laughs> oh, no, it's so coming. Um, you know, give or take six months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love you, friend. Love you too. Love creating with you. I know. I love creating with you too. Um, thank you all for listening. If you're still listening on number 20, you get a gold star for me today. <laughs> you just get a, a, a beautiful heart. Yes. Tell us if you've listened to the number uh, number 20 on social media. Just say, just put 20 in the comments when we post it, when you finish listening to it. Mm -hmm. And I will, I will reply to each one of you. And we would love it. Love it. If you are listening and you love listening to us, go drop us a review. It helps. You know? you know what? It's Thanksgiving next Thursday. If you're thankful for this podcast, if you could do me the big favor of sharing it with one friend, mm. if everyone shared it with one friend, that would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, appreciate you. Appreciate the audience and um, keep on keeping on. Mwah. Mwah. Love you, friend. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode today, be sure to subscribe and share because what do we say, baby? Sharing is caring. <laughs>